Hello, I am Nancy Lynn Westfield, Director of the Wabash Center. Thank you for joining me for this selected reading. This original blog and all my blogs can be found on the website of the Wabash Center for Teaching and Learning in Theology and Religion. This audio blog is entitled, Keep Looking. The narration that I'm about to read is my recollection of a typical interchange between my mother and my father when I was a child. Be mindful that we lived in a large home and invariably during these conversations, my father would be on the first floor and my mother would be on the second floor. So as you read or in this case hear their exchange, imagine loud voices between two people who cannot see one another. Nancy, where is the wah wah wah? Said my father standing at the bottom of the staircase. My mother, likely sewing or making beds to doing some household work on the second floor, answered, look in the kitchen, in the drawer under the cabinet with the water glasses. It's on the left-hand side. Dad goes to the kitchen, opens the drawer and rummages around the drawer, but cannot locate the wah-wah-wah. Dad returns to the bottom of the stairs to ask my mother again, Nancy, I don't see it. It's not there. Yes, it is. Look in the drawer, the one with the red handle. The wah-wah-wah is on the left side, said my mother. Dad returns to the kitchen. He checks to see if he has previously opened the correct drawer. He had not. This time he locates the drawer with the red handle, opens it and rummages around the drawer, but still does not see the wah-wah-wah. A third time he returns to the bottom of the stairs and in a louder, frustrated voice says, Nancy, it's not there. I can't find the wah wah wah. My mother, in a calm and loud voice, replies, Keep looking. My father convinced my mother is mistaken about the location of the wah wah wah, gives up. Acquainted with my father's sensibilities, my mother stops the work she is doing and goes downstairs to the kitchen. Hearing my mother's movements on the stairs and our dog running ahead of her as she walks, my father waits in the kitchen for my mother, glad she has come to find the wah-wah-wah for him. My mother walks past my father, pulls open the drawer under the cabinet with the water glasses and the drawer with the red handle. Seeing the jumbled contents of the drawer, she makes a middle note to reorganize the drawer at dinner time. She reaches into the drawer near the left-hand side and pulls out the wah-wah-wah. Shocked, my father takes the wah-wah-wah and contritely kisses my mother on the cheek as a thanks for helping him find what he was looking for. My question for reflection is not so much about my mother's skills of household item curation, but about my father's inability to see. Why could my father, even with the most specific directions, not see for which he was searching? Or why cannot our students, even with detailed syllabi, thick instructions for assignments, accomplish those assignments? In other words, what does it take to see when searching? One answer is perseverance. Keep looking. My experience is that adult students want to Google once and call it research, or they want to read once and expect to understand dense materials. When my mother instructed my father to keep looking, she was calling for skills of perseverance. 
Keep looking means that even if it is not in your experience or imagination or the drawer you are rummaging through, it is in the imagination and knowledge of your teachers. So endure until you get to the end. As teachers providing opportunities for our students to develop perseverance, the ability to keep looking until you see it, find it, know it, understand it, get insight from it is invaluable. The inability for students to see is often vividly expressed in introductory courses. Teaching introductory classes often means that newly matriculated students conveyance of what they know and the ways they approach the course is primarily through life experience or learnings from other degrees in other schools. New students grappling with new materials, new insights, new vocabulary and new praxis often make for frustrated learners and fearful adults. Adult learners, for the most part, do not like attempting the new. They prefer being affirmed for what they already know. For some, learning anew feels insulting, uncomfortable, as if it is personal judgment for not knowing what they should know. Studying religion and theology exacerbates these feelings of judgments. Woulda, shoulda, coulda, all haunting experiences which free float in classrooms. For students who come from traditions steep in particularly exacting ways of knowing sacred texts and sacred ways, the experience of not knowing can be devastating. There were semesters I would assign one critical essay to be written over the duration of an entire semester. Incrementally, students would turn in drafts of the essay. Without assigning a grade, I would edit the draft and return to the student for further research, thinking, and rewriting. At the end of the semester, the essay, not po now polished by the drafting process, would be submitted for grading. My students let me know that this iterative process was emotionally difficult. They did not want to keep redoing the essay. They saw little value in moving from weak versions to stronger versions, especially if each version did not receive a grade. They found it challenging to keep looking for the same thing until it was found, created, written well. This assignment exposed the narrow edges of their skills of perseverance. At the risk of overworking the illustration, the previous scene of my parents' typical conversation has its limits concerning teaching and learning. Consider that my parents as spouse of one another did not have the contract of teacher and learner. A contract between teacher and student is a different contract than between husband and wife, parent and child, employer and employee. The contract between teacher and learner has its own distinctiveness. The contract between teacher and learner is meant to create space so the learner can disclose, be vulnerable, expose their curiosity, and their want to expand and find insight. In return, the teacher provides opportunity for new knowledges and maturity. So here is the judgment call unique to the teacher-learner contract and the notion of perseverance. In the moments before sight, before understanding by the learner, and the moments of frustration when what is searched for cannot be located or seen, the teacher has got to allow the student the honor of the moment of not knowing, the moment of struggle. For the teacher to rush in with the answer, rush in to rescue is to deny the learner the moment of aha. The aha moment of magic, achievement, and growth when what is searched for is found is why in part students want to learn. Teachers must be willing and able to stand in the moment when the student is frustrated and not act. 
In this moment, it is easier to simply rescue them from the pain of learning, but resist. This is truly difficult moment for teachers to hold. In this moment, we must learn to persevere. Thank you. A special thanks to Dr. Paul Myrie. Paul is Senior Associate Director of the Wabash Center, composer of the music which frames this audio blog, as well as our sound engineer. Thanks to Rachel Mills, the audio blog producer. The Wabash Center is wholly funded by the Lilly Endowment Incorporated. This is Nancy Lynn Westfield. I'm just saying. <laughs>